Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Merry we Christmas. here for you. Uh, I'm going to raise a glass to all of you out there because tomorrow is Christmas and I'm very excited about that. I hope you have your mulled wine. I hope you have your eggnog and whiskey or bourbon or rum or vodka or however you take it with alcohol. Eggnog and beer is not a thing, right? That would that would curdle. It would be like gosh, that would be so bad. It would be like uh, car bombs, right? Like Guinness car bombs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. It would curdle. Well, no, be no good. Never can mind. You put, I take it back. Can you put so so is what makes the what makes I'm interested in this now. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. What makes it curdle? Is I have it the carbonation? Absolutely no idea. I don't think so. I think it's <laughs> it's gotta be. So the carbonation itself isn't a factor. Otherwise, you could put it in. Anything. Like other things. Because right, people put dairy in um, like a Coke, right? And they call it like a, a Detroit something. It's oh like gosh, a, a- really? It's an, it's an alcoholic beverage that's basically a, um, a white Russian, except it's got Coca-Cola in it. So the carbonation itself is not what does it. There's something about, I think it's the yeast maybe? The yeast that re- reacts with it? Yeah. For the uh, malts, maybe. One of those two. One of the bread components that causes Let's that. figure it out. The lime's acidity causes the Baileys to rapidly curdle, so much so that you have to chew down the congealed... I don't want to read that. No, but you, that's why you thats why you do half a, half a pint and you chug, is because it's you get the, the flavor acidity, before ac- it congeals. The acidic lime juice causes the cream-based Baileys to curdle. Yeah. Well, there's not acidity in Guinness, really. Yeah, Maybe I know. it's the residual acidity from the hops. It could be. Yeah, for sure. Why does Bailey's curdle an Irish car bomb? C, when the shot is splashed in and slammed, as the car bomb usually is, the drink tastes mostly like, like okay. No, that's not true at all. The drink is amazing. Yeah. It tastes um, like chocolate. Yeah, milk. Irish car bombs mix of acidic stout and mix. and So the it must acidic. be some sort of acidic thing in um, yep. Guinness. Yep. That's Chemistry. not like in a lot of other Bailey's. Yeah. Chemistry, guys. Science. That's why beer curdles. Science. Fun follow-up Christmas fact. A little present for you to open that's not a bomb. That phrase for that drink is no longer socially acceptable because it was reflective of a very troublesome and violent Mm, and destructive time in Irish history. What can we call it now? I have no idea. So, a.k.a. Irish Slammer? Um, Bailey's and beer. Uh, B&B. Nope, that's already a liqueur. So, so let me ask you a question too, because you can do a. Um, oh, is it a Jaeger bomb? Yep. So we can still keep the bomb. So a Bailey's bomb. Yeah, that'll work. We'll just attach the the alcoholic, like the hard alcoholic drink inside of it. Mm-hmm. A shamrock bomb. How about that? Shamrock bomb. I like that. Yes. That's a good one because I love shamrock bombs. They're one of my Same. favorite drinks. Actually. Same. Yeah. 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 We need to. <laughs> We need to have some uh, some some shamrock bombs when uh, when I visit you next time. Definitely, because it's one of the most efficient ways and most tasty ways to like get a good buzz on. Really, yes. like it's such a good way to start a night of drinking. Oh, absolutely! So my friend and I, when we were watching um, football, we would have um, at the time Irish car bomb. Now we know them as shamrock. So we had shamrock car bomb half times, mm. and our rule was if the team that we were rooting for was losing. And then they took the lead, like they were losing in the first half. And then by the time the second half like started, so like if it was, if say at the end of the first quarter, they were down 14, seven at the end of the second quarter, they were up 21 and 14. That calls for two shamrock bombs. Mm. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. So 
we had a lot of fun. That was a great tradition that I like to continue on. Um, I actually, one of my uh, drinks that I've only had like five or six drinks bought for me in my entire life. Um, but one of them was a Shamrock Car Bomb, a Shamrock I, Bomb. I know for a fact that I bought you a pitcher of Black Butt. While you I'm were feeling, here. I'm thinking um, like random people buying me drinks. Oh, strangers. Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. Not, okay. not people I know. Well, you have yeah, to qualify, yeah. man. If you if you try to say like nobody ever buys me alcohol, I'm, oh, I'm, that's not what I meant. I wasn't trying to complain. I was trying to be like I usually like don't have these opportunities happen to me. Yeah, like, um, yeah, it was it was a uh, Shamrock Bomb, and I was we we raced all three of us raced to see who could finish it first. It was awesome. It was great. You have to race. That's the best part about about doing. <laughs> as long is, as you get it down before it curdles, you win the race. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I like them just because maybe call them Shamrock Slams because the bomb is still too troublesome. Yeah, I like Shamrock Slams too. Or slam- Shamrock Sledgehammers. Ooh. Yeah, that's a good one too. Either one. Anyway, um, I introduced them to my family and my mom hates them. Won't, we'll do them. Like, we'll do them and, you know, get tipsy. We- <laughs> but my dad loves them, which is wild because he's not a sweet drink person he's not a shot person he just like he likes to enjoy his alcohol he's very sophisticated at this point and so when i was like we have to do this he's like all right let's do it and i fed him to him in an irish pub so he like had the full experience Mm -hmm. and he was like i get it i get it oh yeah (laughs) so good he's a believer every time we get together especially when we go like down to walt disney world and we're raglan road he's like Mm -hmm. car bomb he just looks at me he's like car bombs i'm like yes car bombs Yes. Uh, sledgehammers, excuse me. We'll get it. We'll, it's that we'll, conditioning, yeah. Yeah, Thank we're you. gonna get it. We'll we'll just keep reminding each other. Um and then we're gonna get the popular the podcast so popular that it's It'll just gonna over. be the new name. It's gonna yeah. take over. I am glad that we're talking about drinking on our supposedly family friendly episode. Let's 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 roll this back into <laughs> what's uh what's uh what we wanted to do tonight. Um we're not going to get to it yet. We're going to chat for a little bit longer because tonight's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode for everybody. Essentially, what we wanted to do for you as to cap off your holiday season was just to read you a book. That's it. That's all we wanted to do. So we are reading How the Grinch Stole Christmas to you, and I will be narrating, and Max will be doing the voices, and I'm very excited for it. Yep. Thankfully, there are only two voices in the book. There is the Grinch, and there is Cindy Lou Who, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I can distinguish the two of them enough that people won't be confused yes i don't think they have too much dialogue like they're the only ones that have dialogue with each other too right correct yeah they have they have a conversation briefly but there's narratorial like interjections happening so yes it's fine now to be fair to everybody involved in listening to this podcast max and i have not practiced this at all yeah this is um, going to be a cold reading it is going, going to be a to cold be reading. Enthusiastic and loving, and that's what you come here for. Yes, and I wanted you to know, um, I will, I will be saying all of the, um, whatever they're called, but like that's a noise. I will yeah. be saying, "Grin the Grin, Grin the Grinch." Yeah, captions and and yes, and I'll be doing like that kind of stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Good. Um, and then, but let's uh, let's get to that in a little bit. So before we start, we don't got any game to play today because I'm watching something that's live and very specific and Max never would have guessed it. So we didn't even think about playing and he's already won for the year. So it doesn't really matter. Um, But I'm watching the game awards, which is mostly why we're not Hmm. doing anything today. But there are some pretty exciting announcements also tonight. um, You know what? Not even do that because then you'll know we're not recording this on Christmas Eve. So 
But happy Christmas Eve to you. Spoilers. (laughs) Spoilers. Yeah, we have to make sure it's ready to to go to you guys on the day. (laughs) Cheers, buddy. Oh, absolutely. Um, All right. Now that I finished my first drink. Are you having, you drinking beer? Uh, I am having a pear pear cider. Nice. Pear is one of those flavors that I, I have... I have so infrequently that I forget how much I love it every time. Dude, and so when I get around so to finding it again, I'm always elated. It's like yeah. I forget, and then I remember like seven or eight months later, and I have a pear something. It's pear juice or pear cider or even just a pear. Yeah. And it's just like it blows my mind. A and pear I is a surprise it. fruit, for yeah. sure. And then I forget again. You know, pears are a very common um, housewarming gift at Christmas time. It's, it's very oh. common for a while in like the 60s. It was very common. I think the 70s too. Now one so pair or multiple pairs? A bushel. like like A bushel. Plural. Do you know yeah. how many um, pairs are in a bushel? I do not. I would assume it's something along the lines of 12 to 24. All right. Let's make a guess. I'm going to guess it's 18. Okay. Well, right in the middle of my numbers, I'm sure. Way to <laughs> straddle the fence, you pair flip flopper. Oh, okay. How many items are in a bushel? Well, one bushel is equal to 32 quarts. So one bushel is equal to 35.2 liters. A bushel is also equal to 64 pints. 32 or it's equal to four, to, to four pecks. How many pairs? A pair's bushel is going to be 48 to 50 pounds. 50 pounds. Yeah, I, we were both wrong. What's wrong? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's a lot of pairs. That's like 50 pairs. That's like, yeah. no, that's more than that. That's like 80 That's pairs. more than that. <laughs> you, a that's single like pair pairs. equals a pound? I don't know, man. No, I'm I s- bet you that's probably like 100 or 50, like 150 pairs probably. I bet I bet a couple of pairs, good size, like in-season pairs, a couple of pairs. Average weight. Of a pair? Yeah, we're going to get down into this and we're yep. going to find out. What the actual 180 grams? Grams to ounces. Yeah, thanks, metric system. Yeah, jeez. No, that's not what I want. 180 grams. I was doing this when I made meatloaf this week. I had to do this a lot because the recipe I was using was in grams. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. 6.3, so it's almost a cup. And so it's 16 Six ounces. Point. So it's like, that's how much of a um, one pair is about six ounces. So let's see here. Let's do. How many ounces is in 16? One pound is about 16 ounces. So say three, three pairs, play it conservative. Three pairs times 50. 3.75. It's about times, 150 to 180. Yeah, times 50. That's a lot of pairs. 18. Yeah. I have been underrating bushels this whole time. Yeah, I think so. I have too. That's the biggest lesson I think we've learned tonight is if you can, you know, we don't want you to take away really anything from the Grinch till Christmas. That story means nothing. What we really want you to do is take away how big a bushel is. Right. But, no, but just that. understand, like, if he takes away a bushel of ornaments, like, holy cow. I know. So many ornaments. It's going to be so many. Yeah. 48 to 50 pounds is what equals a bushel. So yeah. let's, do you know if they say bushel in here at all? 
No, they don't. I don't think they do. No. We'll see. There's I just not wanted page to make numbers. it relevant. There's not any page numbers. Yeah. I'm drinking scotch, and um, a bushel of scotch would be much different than a bushel of pears. Are you still sipping Avalor? I am. I'm still sipping Avalor, and it's um, it's treating me quite nice. Good. Yeah, it's 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 really really quite quite lovely. So, one thing that I've been thinking about a lot as I move through the Christmas season, I'm one of those people who like loves Christmas music and will usually like start humming Christmas tunes in like March or April. July, March. No yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you. Um, so I, when, when Christmas comes around, I'm so conditioned to not let myself listen to Christmas music that I forget to listen to Christmas music. So I've been trying really hard this season to be proactive about that. And I have two very important questions for you that I would like to touch on before we move into our story. Sure, sure. The first of which is, do you have a favorite Christmas song or Christmas carol? And let's let's separate this two-part question. Um, I watched uh, High Fidelity earlier this week, so my, my, my list... Of course are, you're in your list mode. Yeah, but okay. So, favorite <laughs> Christmas carol, sub-question, favorite Christmas hymn. Right? Because there's different between like pop, like uh, rocking around the Christmas tree could be your favorite Christmas song. Okay, but so do you want so, might be your favorite Christmas? Do you want song, carol, hymn, all three? Let's let's just go pop and and religious. Let's separate it that way. Pop and oh, okay. hymn, right? Okay. So there's pop song, and then there's okay church song. Okay. I need to think about this for a second. Okay, I'll tell you mine while we are waiting. Oh. Um, my favorite favorite church Christmas song is Silent Night. Because growing up in church, there's this thing you do where like they talk about they talk about the season and what it means, and then at the end of the night they they sing the the whole congregation sings this song without the organ, so it's just voices, and they they handed out candles right for the service, and as the 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 church leaders light candles for the choir, the choir lights up, and then they they process out of the church and they light candles of each person on the end row as they pass. And so this whole building just like goes from pure darkness to light over the course of the song. And it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And every season that gets me, I'm choking up just talking about it. Ah, that's so, so good. Hands down. That is my number one Christmas hymn. Okay. Um, Man, I'm 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 thinking I'm thinking I kind of have to go Joy to the World for Christmas nice. hymn. Nice. That's it's just so like joyous to sing. Yeah. It is. Like, it's it's, it's, it's uproarious. Yes, yeah, and you can just really belt it out. Yeah, yeah you and, can you can drink and then have a great time singing it loudly. Yeah, and I I really love that part of it. Um my favorite song um, man, I love so many Christmas songs. I think though, there's not a single Christmas song that I love, um, like at its base, any version of that song more than anything else. Um, but I think my favorite Christmas song as far as which one to listen to by a singular artist is by, um, is Let It Snow by Michael Buble. It's a good one. That, that is such a great song. Yep. 
it's just so good and especially you have to so the cool thing is you have to get um the studio version of it not the live version of it because and it's hard to find the studio version of it um they have this really sweet like p- piano diddly that they they do in the middle of the song that you don't get a lot of times in the live version mm. and so it's it's very there's a, there's a little difference there but that i do love i have a question for you um wait what's your favorite song song not Jethro Tull's Christmas song. Okay, it's that's, this so is a good one scathing too. and yeah. so important, especially as a pop like category song. Mm-hmm. It's really important for me that like my favorite, my favorite line in there, which is relevant to what we've been talking about so far, is he says, Christmas spirit is not what you drink. And I love that. I love it so much. It's just viciously lampooning all of the sort of it is like very good the the street corner christians who are out there saying like you know you tell them happy holidays and they scowl at you and say merry christmas <laughs> it's like man yeah. i'm jewish wish me happy hanukkah come on yeah no kidding um that's a great choice do you have a favorite yeah. christmas commercial Yes, but it's a cop-out. Okay, that's fine. So, back in the 50s and 60s, there was a a very prominent lampoon artist named Stan Freeberg. He's very famous for his album, uh, History of America, like the History of the United States. Mm -hmm. And he does songs, like these super condescending, sardonic songs about the history of the United States and Columbus's arrival in the New World and one of the songs that he sings is this song about Christmas. And the idea is that um, Bob Cratchit owns a little spice company and, and um, Ebenezer Scrooge is this marketing mogul, right? And so he brings his people together for this business. And he says, all right, now what's everybody doing for Christmas this year? And the cigarette guy says, well, you know, we think we're going to have pictures of uh, Santa smoking our product as usual, you know, but this year, we're gonna have his sleeve rolled up and and a and a pack of cigarettes in his in his in his rolled up sleeve. And the guy says, "Great." And he says, "Is he gonna you know how's he gonna look tough?" And he's like, "We're gonna give him a tattoo." He says, "Oh yeah, what's a tattoo say?" It says, uh, "Merry Christmas." And, and underneath that, less tars, <laughs> right? And Bob Cratchit says, "I was just gonna send out a Christmas card to everyone that." showed the three wise men under the star and said, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then they launch into the song where the one of the lines is Christmas has two S's in it and they're both dollar signs. <laughs> right. So the, the commoditization, the, the materialism around Christmas is stressful for me. Yeah. Um, but I think that's my favorite. It's, it's Stan Freeberg's. Um, let me find it right quick. Stan Freeberg Christmas uh, Bob Cratchit it's called Green Christmas okay. Stan Freeberg song because obviously green is like money right it was mm-hmm. so good yeah I have it up I will listen to it as soon as I get back that's my favorite commercial. It's a mockery of the commercials at Christmas, but yeah. If I if I That's had to fair. answer if I had to answer it honestly, the answer is the polar bears because it's just the Coca-Cola polar bears because it's They're just great. family. It's just They're great. family yeah. being family, people being weird and trying to be there for each other. 
So yeah, it's it's great. one of the least material commercials I know of. What about you? Oh, I like the Corona Police Navidad commercial with just the single tree lights mm -hmm. up at the end. It's just the palm tree. The palm tree. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cute. It's just so good. Yeah. And there's variate. So there was several years. I remember when that commercial came out, and then remember when there were several variations of it. And then eventually they just stopped and went back to the original one. Like there was the 90s commercial and then it broke into like the 2000s. They did a little different and they like lit up six trees instead of just the one. And they like used to like light them up different ways. Mm -hmm. And it's now they reverted back to using just a straight up like it's single. Really like, I love it. It's that one. And then the Hershey's uh, Kisses, uh, the Jingle Bells one yep. is really good too. That one is currently the longest running um, holiday commercial that's still going on air. That's impressive. It, it, yeah, I believe it was 1989 that that first started. And so, Very cute. Yeah, it's it's great. All right, I, I want to keep doing this right, and then we'll, I have a, one more, two more questions, and then we'll get to reading our book. Yeah. Um, we haven't talked about it yet, but what's your favorite Christmas movie? Oh, that's so hard. Or maybe like four or five? No, like... that, that, so yeah, I'll, I'll give you one, and then I'll give you my runner-up. So I think so much of this is dependent on like, the family you're raised in, right? And like mm -hmm. your understanding oh, for of the sure. history of Christmas. So I know people who swear up and down by a Muppet Christmas Carol. Like it's one of their favorite movies of all time. That's their Christmas tradition is watching a Muppet Christmas Carol as a family. I haven't seen that movie in like 20 years. The movie that we watched two movies religiously at Christmas time. But I have a like a, a, a surprise option that has snuck in recently that has really shocked me. So growing up, we watched A Christmas Carol with George C. Scott. George C. Scott is the actor who played Patton. He's very, very good at playing dour, bitter, old men. If you have not seen the George C. Scott Christmas Carol, watch it. It's incredible. It's, it's, it's to this day my definitive Christmas Carol rendition. Like, better than The Muppets, better than anything. And it's because Scott has such nuanced performance. Mm -hmm. So that's one. The second one that we always watch is A Christmas Story, obviously. So good. I adore A Christmas Story. But the one that has snuck in over the last decade or so and has become a classic for me in ways that I never expected it to is Elf. Oh, Elf is so good. Elf, yeah. the music, man. Mm -hmm. It's so sweet. And you've got Bob Hope doing his bit. And it's just, um, not Bob Hope, what's his name? Newhart, thank you. Mm -hmm. Bob Newhart doing his thing. It's it's so magical. Yep. It's so magical. And it ticks all the boxes. There is a um, Netflix TV series that just uh, released uh, Holiday Boobies That Made Us. And Elf is the first one. Good. Yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. Understandably, yeah. And what about the, you? The Nightmare Before Christmas is the one they do second on that one, which yeah, also see, is a is a fascinating watch because that's way more that's more fascinating because of seeing like Tim Burton's rise to like prominence and like how Danny Elfman started out. Because yes. I did not know how Danny Elfman started out until I watched that, and that was very mm -hmm. surprising. Well, it's and, fascinating to me. You know, Danny Elfman did the Simpsons theme. Danny Elfman did the Transformers theme, right? So he was well established as a musician. No, Danny that, that, Danny Elfman, yes, but Danny Elfman was a lead singer of Oingo Boingo. Yeah. Which is like a like weird British rock band like and and now he's doing like and he hadn't done um what gosh which was his what was his first one 
I forget what movie it was that his, was his very first, uh, but he wasn't going to do it. He wasn't going to compose the movie. I think it was maybe Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, um, that sounds Was right. his very first composition. And he was just like, F it, I'm going to do it. And then like. And of course it was like, incredible. He's like the most prolific like composer of movies now, you know, yeah. like he does so. Much. I was looking at his IMDb and it's just it's incredible. He does so up, many. Up there now, with uh, who did who did John up there with John Williams? Right? Yeah, I think John Williams. I like John Williams's score more. Like they're just as good. They're the best. Like him and Danny Elfman are awesome. And uh, I, the guy like, who did Pirates is also how, like, like so. Hans Zimmer. Hans. Those three are like Danny Elfman yeah. and John Williams, and then the Holy Michael, Trinity of composers. Michael Giacchini. Giacchino. Yeah. 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 Giacchino. Whatever. I I I'm, I should do more service yeah. than that. We should get this yeah. name right. Um, Giacchino, I think, is how it's pronounced okay. in the proper Italian. Is Giacchino. He's starting to really do a lot now. Like he's kind of the new up and comer. Like he did some earlier Mission Impossible's, and he's done a lot of the Disney stuff lately. Mm-hmm. He's done all the Star Wars that aren't mainlined. Yeah. Um, so, or at least part of the saga. Yeah, there's a guy I like who has surprised me. His name is. Um, Thomas Newman is he, 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 he's one of those composers who does the sentimental stuff so mm-hmm. he did the soundtrack for for the Jim Carrey Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events he did the soundtrack for Road to Perdition with Tom Hanks and Paul Newman about gangsters in the 20s like his stuff is just like it hits an emotional chord for me that, that no other composer's music does yeah yeah, and then I have to shout out to um, Howard Shore as well. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Just, absolutely. just, just for Lord of the Rings alone. Yeah, and That's what Claus, what Claus Bedell did to uh, the pirate stuff too. He did really good stuff. Yeah, well, he was he was the understudy, right? He yeah. he he was he was the protege under Hans Zimmer. Oh, okay, and is that why they had him for the second? Yes, cool. yes, and and the theme like the 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 Kraken the, Davy Jones theme is that his? Yes. And the other one that's yeah. his um, that really kind of like the reason he was credited on the first album was because he came up with the um, the 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 theme. The that is him. Yep. Well, he deserves everything just for that. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. So good. Yeah, it's so good. We did it. We made it a half hour <laughs> into recording before we started as reading if, our book. As if there was ever any doubt. I National mean, Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I'm pretty sure that's my favorite. I've, I've thought about it a lot, and I can't get past that not being, I think, one of my favorites. Yeah. I, I understand you don't like Chevy Chase, and you don't like a lot of National Lampoon stuff, so I'm I'm, 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 I'm fine with us it's, disagreeing it's on this. It's the same reason. I haven't watched them in like a, over a decade, and the same reason I don't like them is the same reason that I didn't like The Office that I have since come around to, which is this concept that awkward humor for me was so yeah. difficult to watch because yeah. I'm a pretty sensitive and empathetic human. Mm-hmm. So, I totally get so that. So watching those, it didn't. I didn't feel like laughter i was just like like oh yeah no yeah it was like watching a friend get up and confess his love to somebody when they're at the altar you know it's like yeah yeah. sit down you are embarrassing yourself and everyone you've ever known including me and it it aches like there's just this like hollow ache in my stomach what you need to watch is nathan for you 
It's on Comedy Central and Hulu oh, if you haven't boy. seen it. It's the most cringy humor I think I've ever had to sit through and experience. <laughs> but it's probably one of the funniest things I've ever watched in my entire life. And it's genius. This comedian goes into small businesses um, and consults on what they should do, but has like outrageous ideas. Like he goes into this guy's convenience store and he says, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to tell customers that you are making a movie with Johnny Depp starring and we're going to ask the extras to come in and, 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 and get do scenes for us. And they're going to come in and purchase something as part of their scene. And that's going to be how we, we drive you, drive your business. Wow. It's like, he also like hires like the, he hires a private investigator that's supposed to be the best in LA. And he's like, all right, you don't have any Yelp reviews. So I'm going to get you your first Yelp review. That's the goal of our consults. Like, and then like the guy's like, I don't need to be on Yelp. I don't care about that. And he's like, all right, you say you're the best. So you tell me, you, you, I'm going to hire you to track me. And he hires like eight lookalikes. <laughs> it's just but it's like all like super he's very serious about it he asks mm -hmm. very awkward very like cringy questions you know who else but, falls into that category for me is eric andre it's a very it sounds yeah. like a very similar humor style yeah the eric andre show is wild man like that like i just you never know where that thing's gonna turn i to. get i get like i get like cringe chills just thinking about it yeah, my friends he, tried to show me a couple episodes, and that was hard. It's tough. Yeah, Eric Andre is way more out there than Nathan for you is. So definitely okay. check out. Definitely, it's okay. on Hulu. Check it out. Um, and then um, he also started doing a show on HBO Max that's called How to, and he mm. just teaches you how to do stuff like how to put plastic wrap over your furniture. <laughs> it's just like really dumb stuff like that. <laughs> But apparently that's supposed to be really good too. I haven't seen that yet. But you need to check out Nathan for you. It's it's good. I yeah, you should go back and watch National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation. It, it's just it's there's just some lines in there that like are just so good. And I got mm. a, a lot of what makes that movie and what makes a lot of those Lampoon movies really great is uh, Randy Quaid and and his character. Oh man. And just like they're sitting at dinner and Clark Griswold, who's Chevy Chase character, is trying to tell all the kids like, hey, I saw they uh, tracking Santa. NASA said they were tracking Santa over Chicago not too long ago. And they're all eating dinner. And Randy Quaid's character just looks at Clark. He's like, you serious, Clark? It's just like so many like just one little lines. from uh, It's great. I've probably watched that movie like 10 times in the last like two weeks. Oh my gosh! Because wow. it's on AB, it's on AMC right now. So and ah. like you know how like that kind of stuff runs, they just keep yeah. rolling over and over again. So yeah, I, I if it's on tonight, I'll probably watch it tonight. So honorable mention for Christmas movies, it's A Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, that's a wonderful, wonderful movie. Um, honorable mentions for me are probably going to be, um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas by with the Jim Carrey oh, yeah. one. It's 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 fantastic. It is. He does a great Grinch. Yeah, he does do a great Grinch, but he does not do as good a Grinch as you. And we will prove it to you now with How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I'm very, very excited about this. Let me pour myself one little glass of drink or a little glass of drink. Yeah, a little glass of drink. Yep. It's and the family friendly version. So we're pouring ourselves a drink. You don't get to are. know what it is. Yes, we are.
I am going on a trip this weekend. We're going to an Airbnb. I'm very excited. Be sure to like decontaminate we will. everything your hands touch. Yeah. Like absolutely. do not trust them. Bring your own bedding. Bring your yeah. own sheets and blankets. And hand and sanitizer. Stuff. Yeah, yep. yeah. Absolutely. Hand sanitize the faucet in the sink, mm-hmm. and the, the handles of that, the, mm-hmm. the shower handles, like everything that your hands are gonna touch, just like Yeah. Like, no, no. Biden, like Biden's going to do with the White House, just hose yes, it down. Yes, just hose everything down. Just What we're going to do is, is I rented a fire truck and I, I filled it full of hand sanitizer. And we're See, just I, was thinking, I was thinking travel-friendly would be easier to do like a bug sprayer. You know, like they do around the base of the house. It's like a paint sprayer. That would be right? travel-friendly. One of those would be super yeah. easy. I've already rented the truck, though, so I, I can't go back on it. I'm not, I'm not covering <laughs> that deposit. So, Bonus option for the back bug sprayer is it doubles as a Ghostbusters Halloween costume prop. Ooh, yeah. It's probably worth just keeping the truck and yeah. getting the backpack as well. Yeah. Before yeah, we start, I, I need to just say, like, we you mentioned earlier Nightmare Before Christmas is a Christmas movie. I believe, and this is something that you can fight about, like, the definition of a sandwich. I believe the Nightmare Before Christmas is a Halloween movie. I think it's intended to get you excited for Christmas, but you're not there yet. So that that movie for me every year kicks off the holidays. I I think that's what the intention for you is. I think you should watch that documentary and find out what the real intention of that movie is. And then we can talk. No. It's a Christmas movie. It It is. is. It is not. Yes, it is. Nope. Nope. I mean, if you want to do do it right, technically it's a Thanksgiving movie. It's the in-between period between Halloween and Christmas. It's the holidays. Yeah, it, it, that movie, that to me that movie to me can be watched from September to like mid January. You know, like I mean, you can watch it anytime you want to, obviously, but that's like a holiday movie. If I'm like in winter Christmas cheery kind of mood, or like holiday mood, and I start my spooky season in September, so good. Or, yeah, or I, you can watch I, it in I October. usually started in August. Like, my yeah. spooky season is, like, the end of July. It's, like, well, my July spooky season is all year round. But, yeah. I'm watching horror movies all year. But I'm really starting to watch, like, two or, like four or five a week when September rolls around. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Next year, Halloween. Top top 32 movies of all time. Mm. That's going to be far, far... That's going to be a far longer episode than, than what we did this last year. Because, <laughs> like... When you're fighting against, like, an immortal being versus Cropsy, like, come on. When you're fighting, like, Friday the 13th versus, you know, Trick or Treat, that's a tough call. Those are both great movies. So, anyways, that's not what we're talking about tonight. I think Night Before Christmas is a Christmas movie. I think you're wrong. I respectfully disagree. But, like, I think that gets to the point of original intention, right? Like, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie because it's not originally intended to be a Christmas movie. I think authorial intent is a load of hooey. I think it's important to understand as a consumer, but I think ultimately the way that a piece of art affects you is more impactful than the artist's original intent. Okay. Because without the audience, art is meaningless. Well, then it doesn't really matter what you think then, and it doesn't really matter what I think then either. Exactly. Well, no, I would argue, no, that's what I'm saying is I think what we think matters more than what they meant to do. I, I like to me it doesn't matter what anybody thinks then like because it's all just up to the individual right these so, men are like, nihilists donnie's 
You no know? Really <laughs> like, if the author's intent is not going to be carried over in a way to, to have, like, matter, like, to make it matter to the audience. I would argue that the author's intent, the, the authorial intent is the production. And if that intent is not communicated in the production, that's on them. I don't think okay. it's my responsibility to wait around for them to tell me what the intent was. Oh, okay. So do you not think then that they were intentional with the Nightmare Before Christmas? You I know, especially were. putting the name Christmas in the title? Yeah. No, I do. But it's a Nightmare Before Christmas, right? Like the, the title itself tells you that this is happening before Christmas. Okay. Like this is the ramp up to Christmas. This so is, do you not watch any Christmas movies until December 25th? Because everything else is before Christmas. So why even bother? The Christmas season for me exists after Thanksgiving. Okay. So the idea is that each chapter is everything after the last chapter and before the end of this chapter. So for Christmas, it's from Thanksgiving to Christmas Day. And then I celebrate New Year's basically through New Year's Day. And Mm -hmm. then I start celebrating Valentine's Day. All right. (laughs) Um, I don't really know if... uh, I'm okay with that. It's just so we're attributing the nightmare before Christmas to be... Before the Christmas season, not necessarily before Christmas. Correct. Okay. So I read the title as Nightmare Before Christmas, Night Night, not Nightmare Before the Christmas Season. It's just a misinterpretation of how I read the title, really. <laughs> I am much too smarmy right now to not really enjoy reading this book. This is gonna be great. I'm so excited about this. We're gonna this. have a lot of fun. We hope you yeah. do too. Yeah, I'm going to mess up, by the way. I have not read this book from cover to cover in a very long time, and I didn't do it for us. I read, like, first, like, five or six pages, and I was like, all right, I think I can get through yeah, this. Yeah, well, that's what's fun about a live reading is, like, accidents happen. It's human. Like, roll with it. Like, just keep going. Let that be. The the follow-through and the pacing is much more important than the specific word. So if yeah. you have to correct a word or something, go for it. I will probably do the same. Nobody's perfect. You ready, man? Do you guys want to get ready. into this? Let's do it. How the Grinch Stole Christmas by Dr. Seuss. Um, it was, according to my book, written in 1957. Well, copyrighted in 1957. Renewed in 1985. That's very interesting. That's something copyright laws uh, have changed. Anyways, this book is for Teddy Owens. And we're going to get into it. Is everybody ready out there? You good, Max? I'm getting in character. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, yes, I, I am ready. I'm born You ready. let me know. I Your character doesn't this. start. You, you don't have any lines until the third page, man. Fourth <laughs> page. So what I know. are you talking I, about? I, I got to get ready now. Like everything <laughs> that I hear up to this point, I have to hear through the Grinch's ears, right? That's true. Yes. All right. Here we go, guys. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. We'll see you guys on the other side. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. But I think that most likely the reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve hating the Who's. Staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown at the warm, lighted windows below in their town. For he knew every who down in Whoville beneath was busy now, hanging a mistletoe wreath. And they're hanging their stockings! He snarled with a sneer. 
Tomorrow is Christmas. It's practically here. Then he growled, with his Grinch fingers nervously drumming. I must find some way to stop Christmas from coming. For tomorrow, he knew. All the Who girls and boys would wake bright and early. They'd rush for their toys. And then, oh, the noise. Oh, the noise, noise, noise. That's one thing he hated. The noise, 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 noise. Then the Who's, young and old, who would sit down to a feast. And they'd feast, and they'd feast, and they'd feast, 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 and feast. They would feast on who pudding and rare who roast beef, which was something the Grinch couldn't stand, stand in the least. And then they'd do something he liked least of all. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, would stand close together with Christmas bells ringing. They'd stand hand in hand, and the who's would start singing. They'd sing, and they'd sing, and they'd sing, 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 sing. And the more the Grinch thought of this Who Christmas sing, the more the Grinch thought, I must stop this whole thing. Why, for 53 years, I've put up with it now. I must stop this Christmas from coming. But how? Then he got an idea, an awful idea. The Grinch got a wonderful, awful idea. (laughs) I know just what to do. The Grinch laughed in his throat, and he made a quick Santa Claus hat and a coat, and he chuckled and clucked. <laughs> what a great Grinchy trick! With this coat and this hat, I look just like Saint Nick. All I need is a reindeer. The Grinch looked around, but since reindeer are scarce, there was none to be found. Did that th- stop the old Grinch? No. The Grinch simply said, If I can't find a reindeer, I'll make one instead. So he called his dog Max. Then he took some red thread and he tied a big horn on the top of his head. Then he loaded some bags and some old empty sacks on a ramshackle sleigh and he hitched up old Max. Then the Grinch said, Get up! And slayed, and then and the sleigh started down toward the homes where the Who's lay a snooze in their town. And their windows were dark, quiet snow filled the air, all the Who's were all dreaming sweet dreams without care, when he came to the first little house on the square. This is stop number one, the old Grinch Claus hissed. And he climbed to the roof, empty bags in his fist. Then he slid down the chimney in rather tight pinch, but if Santa could do it, then so could the Grinch. He got stuck only once for a moment or two, then he stuck out his head, the fireplace flew. Where are the little who stockings all hung in a row? These stockings, he grinned, are the first things to go. Then he slithered and slunk with a smile most unpleasant. Around the whole room, and he took every present. Pop guns and bicycles, roller skates and drums, checkerboards, tricycles, popcorns and plums. And he stuffed them in the bags. Then the Grinch, very nimbly, stuffed all the bags, one by one, up the chimbley. Then he slunk to the icebox. He took the Who's feast. He took the Who pudding. He took the roast beast. He cleaned out the icebox as quick as a flash. Why? That Grinch even took the last can of Who hash. Then he stuffed all the food up the chimney with glee. 
And now, grinned the Grinch, I will stuff up the tree. And the Grinch grabbed the tree and he started to shove. When he heard a small sound like the coo of a dove, he turned around fast and he saw a small who, little Cindy Lou Who, who was not more than two. The Grinch had been caught by this tiny who daughter who got out of bed for a cup of cold water. She stared at the Grinch and said, Santa Claus, why? Why are you taking our Christmas tree? Why? But you know, that old Grinch was so smart and so slick. He taught up a lie and he thought it up quick. Why, my sweet little tot, the fake Santa Claus lied. There's a light on this tree that won't light on one side. So I'm taking it home to my workshop, my dear. I'll fix it up there. Then I'll bring it back here. And his fib fooled the child's. Then he patted her head and he got her a drink and sent her to bed. And when Cindy Lou Who went to bed with her cup, he went to the chimney and stuffed up the tree. Then the last thing he took was a log for their fire. Then he swept up the chimney himself, the old liar. On their walls, he left nothing but hooks and some wire. And one speck of food that he left in the house was a crumb that was even too small for a mouse. Then he did the same thing to the other Who houses leaving crumbs much too small for the other Who's mouses. It was a quarter past dawn, all the Who's still abed, all the Who's still a snooze. When he packed up his sled, packed it up with presents, the ribbons, the wrappings, the tags, and the tinsel, the trimmings, the trappings, 3,000 feet up, up the side of Mount Crumpet, he rode with his load to the tip top to dump it. Poo poo to the who's. He was grinchously humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the who's down in Whoville will all cry. <laughs> boo. <laughs> That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. So he paused, and the Grinch put his hand to his ear, and he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so, but it was merry, very he stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. Every Who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was sinking without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, 
In Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light, and he brought back the toys and the food for the feast. And he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beef. The end. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas.